Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Romans 8, I'm going to begin with verse 15, although in the bulletin I had listed verse 16, but I want to back up one verse. I'm going to read... First of all, from the King James, and then those of you who have the Living Bible, I'm going to immediately go to the Living Bible and read it again from the Living Bible, and I will be using that in reference throughout the message this morning. Romans 8, verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also uh, be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. All right, let's read it from the Living Bible. And so we should not be like cringing, fearing slaves, but we should behave like God's very own children, adopted into the bosom of his family and calling to him, Father, Father, for his, for his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are really God's children. And since we are his children, we will share his treasures, for all God gives to his son Jesus is now ours too. For if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will give us later. Let us pray. Lord God, we come into your presence this morning to worship and praise your name. We have been lifted up by that which we have experienced already, and particularly by that which the choir has presented to us. Glory to your name. We praise your holy name this morning. We pray now that you would use this service to speak to our hearts. Those who are not Christian this morning, who have never said yes to the Lord Jesus, we especially pray in this very hour that something would be done or said that would touch the, the cords of their heart and they would be willing and ready to say, yes, Lord, we love you. We ask forgiveness of sin and the saving of our soul. Take us into your care and bless us especially as we continue now through the message we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin the message this morning with a question. But I hope each of you would consider because you have an answer. The question is, are you saved? Are you saved? 
you will remember, I'm sure, just a few short years ago, the devastating flood that hit West Virginia, particularly the eastern part of the state. I had the responsibility of going to Franklin and Marlington and Petersburg, those towns particularly, and working for nine solid days during that period of time. I ate in the food lines with the people. Some of this I've shared with you before, but I want to repeat it to make a point for the message. It was one of the most heart-rending experiences I ever had to stand in food lines while people prepared from the Salvation Army or the National Guard and finally, thank goodness for school cooks who were brought in to prepare the food and once the school cooks got on the scene, we ate well. I thought I would starve to death on that army food for a few days until they were able to get the school cooks on the, on the job and then we ate and ate well. But I stood there in the line with those people, shoulder to shoulder, and heard the conversation and discussed with them the tremendous losses that they had experienced. And one person saying to another, I was wondering about you and about what happened to you, and even if you were alive. I heard the stories of many of the families who lost their loved ones and friends. I heard the story of the couple who stayed in their house and as the waters came in went to the second floor and when the waters got to the second floor they went to the attic and when the waters got to the attic they went to the roof and when the house began to move down the waters they climbed off the roof and grabbed a tree and stayed all night, a husband and wife, in that tree. And When the waters receded they came down and stood on the top of a car when the waters came back up, they climbed high in the tree again. And in the morning, someone walking the shores of, of that uh, raging river saw them and made preparations and sent a boat out that they could be saved. I heard the story of the husband and wife who were actually in the waters and he was holding on to a log with one hand and had his other hand grasping her around the waist with the belt she had on, only to find that the belt broke and he lost his grasp upon her and she floated down the river to her death. He was saved, but she was lost. I heard the story of the young couple who went home from work. They could not get across the stream to their home. The young man said to his wife, you stay here in the car and I will get across that stream somehow. Uh, and he waded through the water. He said, I'll go home and I'll get a chainsaw and come back and saw down a tree and lay it across the water so that you can walk across it. The young man went home and got his chainsaw, but when he came back, his car and his wife were gone. And she's one of those that have never been discovered never to be found again. She was lost, though he was saved. These are physical stories of the saving and the losing of human life, of bodies mangled and destroyed by the ravaging of that flood, and the stories of those that were saved from it. 
And you could have asked many people in that group as we went to eat our meals. And they would have been able to tell you of others who were lost and others who were saved. But that's not the real question of whether our physical lives are saved or lost. Some of you have had experience. You are here this morning because you were spared from physical death. Maybe from a heart attack. Maybe from an accident. And many of us here this morning are not even aware of how close we were to meeting our maker, to use that term. Not knowing that the Lord's hand was upon us and saved us or protected our life in a time when we didn't even know that we were in danger. Eight people in that flood lost their lives without ever knowing that they were in danger for they were asleep. And the waters came and washed them away and they never were aware that they were facing the end of their life. Multitudes of people in this world are living on borrowed time as one man in this community admitted to me recently when I visited him and told him I wanted to talk to him about his soul. He admitted to me, I realize I'm living on borrowed time. There are people in this congregation that may be living on borrowed time. It will not long be available anymore. And God will say that your time is ended. It is time now to, to make a trek into the presence of or from the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I come back to the basic question, are you saved? Well, to be saved means to be saved from something. Had I asked one of those people in that flood, were you saved? They would have said, yes, indeed, I was saved. I was plucked out of the water by a family member or by the National Guard or by a state policeman or by somebody I never even knew who they were. They risked their life and saved my body. I want to tell you about a person who risked his life and gave his life to save your soul. His name is Jesus Christ. He was the Son of God. And he died on the cross on a hill called Calvary just outside Jerusalem because he loved you and me enough to risk and to give all that he had his entire life that you and I might be saved. Saved from what? From the ravaging damnation of hell. That's what. Nothing to be compared to the floodwaters that I saw and experienced. Nothing to be compared to the ravaging of families that that brought about because the a tragedy of losing one's soul is an eternal decision. It is a loss of everything forever. 
You see, all of us will someday go through the, the trauma of losing our life. We will all die. There's only been one person in this whole world that never experienced death. The man in the Old Testament, you remember, was taken alive by God. Even Jesus died the physical death. We all will do it. There's something more tragic than physical death. The tragedy is spiritual death. The tragedy is that many people are already dead and don't know it. Already dead and don't know it. I read recently a medical definition of death, and I'll not go into it. I, I had to laugh at some of the statements made in the medical definition of death. And I thought to myself, the guys who developed this definition of death don't know anything about death. Because all they were describing is when a person's body is dead. And yet there they lay still breathing. Heart perhaps still pumping, but they're dead, clinically. There are many people who are spiritually dead, who are walking around and don't know they're dead. Don't know they're dead. Are you saved? All right, what are the answers? Some will say, I think so. I think I'm saved. Some will say, I hope I am. But can you not say, I know I am? I can say, I know I am. Many will say, we can't really be certain of that fact until after we die and we discover where we are. I don't believe that. There are lots of people who are living in fear when they could be living in peace. You don't have to fear death. I recall a man in my experience who was a, who was a member of my church deacon in my church, as a matter of fact, up in years, who was physically ill, and he was ready to die, and he wanted to die. The reason he wanted to die was he was so anxious to meet Jesus face to face, he could hardly stand it until he got the opportunity. He died one night. The family called the doctor. They rushed him to the hospital and brought him back to life. <coughs> and he was so angry with the doctors and his family, he could have spit ten penny nails because they had robbed him of the thing he'd been looking for. Death was not something to be afraid in his life, for he was prepared for it. And let me tell you, folks, if you're prepared to meet God, death should not be something to fear. Now that doesn't mean that we ought to be as anxious as he is. 
a good preacher friend of mine of uh, many long years ago, A.S. Kelly, uh, who has been long gone to see the Lord years and years ago, used to say, I'm ready to go, but I'm no hurry to get started. Well, I believe that's probably me. I'm ready to go, but I'm no hurry to get started. But let me tell you, when the time comes, I'm not going to have fears and look back because I know that my soul is secure in Jesus Christ. If you cannot say that, you have a right and a reason to fear. And death ought to be very fearful to you. But we who are Christian know that we're saved. And I want to point two things, two things that I want to say about it. Number one, what gives uh, us the assurance that we're saved? All right, the first reason is the Bible tells us that we are saved. I want to read you some scriptures. I want you to listen to them. This is why I know I'm saved that I'm going to give you now. Why I know it. There is no doubt in my mind. I hope there's no doubt in any of yours. Listen, if you have any doubts about your salvation, listen to this scripture. John 3.36 Jesus says this, He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. The King James uses the word hath, H-A-T-H. That's an old English word. Our modern day English word is has. H-A-S. Means that it is in our possession. If you have something, it's in your possession. I have, and most of you have, eternal life. Now. It's in your possession. Why? Because God gave it to you. Alright, listen to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Paul speaking, being confident, the word confident is a key, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you, the Holy Spirit began a good work in me and in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He that began working in your life will continue to work in your life until Jesus comes again. Until he comes again. 2 Timothy 1.12 Paul speaking. Here's Paul's testimony. I think it's one of the most marvelous testimonies in all the scripture. Paul says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. If you haven't memorized that verse, you ought to memorize it. Listen to it again. Paul said, I am persuaded, I am convinced, there is no argument, there is no doubt in Paul's mind, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed to him. What did I commit? My soul. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against what day? The day of judgment. 
on the day of judgment, I'll stand in the judgment of the righteous to receive reward for my life, and you will do the same. Why? Because we committed ourselves to Jesus Christ, and he's capable of holding on to us. John 5, 24. This is Jesus speaking again. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not, shall not, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed, is passed from death unto life. We have life this morning. We don't have death. We're not walking dead people. We are alive with the power of God that lives in us because it was put there by God. He who believes, do you believe on Jesus Christ as the Son of God who came into this world and died on the cross of Calvary, was crucified and rose again from the grave? Do you believe with your mind? That's not enough. Have you committed yourself unto him with your heart and soul and told in? If you've done that, you have everlasting life already. And you've already passed out of being condemned into eternal life. I want to go to John again. This time chapter 10. I'm going to have to read it this time. I can't quite quote it all. John chapter 10, Jesus speaking, beginning at verse 27, 27, 8, and 9. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep, Jesus said, my sheep. If we're the sheep of his pasture, then he's talking about us. If you're not one of his followers, you're not one of his sheep, he's not talking about you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I, look what he says now, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Did you hear what he said? No man is able to take us away from God. Now, based on these passages of Scripture that I read, I have confidence in standing behind this pulpit and telling you that if you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, you don't have to say, in response to my question, are you saved? You don't have to say, I think so. You don't have to say, I hope so. You cannot say, we're not going to know until we get to heaven. You can say with assurance, right now, I know I am saved. That's number one evidence of salvation, is God's Word. Now, what's that got to do with the Scripture we read? Well, let's, let's look at it now. 
There is another way that we can find out that we are saved. I'm going to read it from the, the Living Bible because it's a little clearer. Verse 16. For His Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are really God's children. The Holy Spirit speaks deep in our heart. It tells us so. That's pretty good scripture. Are you saved? I can't answer that for anybody but myself. You can't answer for anybody but yourself. But the thing I can say on the assurance of God's word Holy Spirit comes into a person's life at the point when they say, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. Let me give the formula. Let me give the formula very easily. How is a person saved? Is a person saved simply because he walks down an aisle and comes down here and shakes some preacher's hand? No. That might be evidence of starting the trek uh, toward salvation. A person is saved, number one, by first of all recognizing the lost. If a person doesn't know the lost, they're not going to look for salvation. If you know you're lost, that's the first important step. If you know if you died today, through the ravaging floods of the world, through illness, through whatever might come, if you died today, where would you go? If you're not sure, if you know, as many people say, if I don't change my ways, I'm going to hell, and that's exactly right, folks. You've got to know you're lost. Secondly, you've got to want to be saved. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to go to heaven? If you don't want to, you don't have to go. Does a person want to go to heaven? Does he want to be saved from hell? The answer is yes. Then we can go to the third point, and that simply is to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary Save me from my sins. And I say, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Some person uh, floating down that ravaging water, about to be lost in its current, and someone on shore throws out a rope and says, grab on to it, and I'll pull you to safety the person in the water will exert every ounce of his energy to grab that rope. I have never known a person who would say, no, I don't think I'll grab onto that rope. I think I'll take my chances. I have discovered that people who are about to drown will grab at a straw 
floating in the water looking for anything that they can get a hold of. And we all know that no straw, no little sick is going to be sufficient to save a person from drowning. Throw a rope and a person will grasp it with the promise that the one on shore with solid footing will pull them to safety and they will live because they have put their trust in somebody else who has thrown out a lifeline. The Lord Jesus Christ is standing on the shore of life and he's throwing out a lifeline to the lost of this world and saying, do you want to be saved? And the answer comes back from the depths of that rushing water, yes, I want to be saved, save me. And he cries out, grab hold of the rope. That's faith when you grab hold of the rope. Put your trust in somebody else. That's faith. Put your trust in Jesus Christ to do what you can't do for yourself. It'll bring you to safety. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and says, we're saved. We can go out of this congregation this morning, out of this building, knowing that we're saved. I don't know, maybe all of us here this morning can already say, I'm saved. But if you can't, I'm throwing out to you a lifeline. It's not my lifeline. I'm not even the person throwing it out. I'm simply the one telling you that there is a man standing on the shore with his feet solid who has thrown out the opportunity and his name is Jesus Christ. Are you saved? If you're not, follow the formula. Say, no, I'm not saved. Yes, I want to be saved. And grab the rope. And you'll be saved. Put your trust in Jesus. Then I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. Come down the aisle. Not because that will save you. But because that is going to be evidence of your desire to be saved. You take the first step. The Lord will take the rest of them for you. You're coming simply to say to this congregation. To yourself. And most importantly to Jesus Christ. I'm taking you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word. Will you do it? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.